Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Okay, we're going to get straight into part one. Of course, the review part. There's not really much to review, not re- not really much to preview in part two either. So we've brought you three guests this week. Um, we're going to jump straight into it, as I said, but there's really not much to talk about as there's not much boxing either side of the weekends. Um, we're going to start with a card that took place on Saturday in France. Christopher Rebras, he was out again. He picked up his 24th career win. It was only a six-rounder. It was against a guy called Royer. Uh, Matthias Roy, I haven't really heard much about him, but it was just a little warm-up fight because, of course, Rebras will be facing Rocky Fielding in April in Liverpool. So it was a little warm-up fight and a nice win. Unanimous decision after six rounds. Um, there was a card in Mexico that involved Marco Antonio Periban. He picked up a TKO in round four against Jose Miguel Torres. That was quite a good contest. I actually saw the stoppage. It was a nice stoppage for Marco Antonio Periban. Dmitry Chudinov, he was out as well. That's the that's the Chudinov brother that lost to Chris Eubank Jr. He was out. He picked up a second round KO over Marat Kuziv. Marat Kuziv had a record of 22 wins, 10 losses, and one draw. Dmitry Chudinov now 18 and one with the two draws. Um, Kuziv was down about one minute 30 of the second round. So just ha- just halfway through the second round. Uh, good win there for Chudinov. Of course, his brother will be in action this week. His brother, Fedor Chudinov, will be in action this week. We're going to be previewing that fight in the preview part of the show. There was also a card that took place in Gloucester in UK, of course. Sniper Sam Smith picked up his second career win. That's that's a guy to watch. He's being trained by Paddy Fitzpatrick. So it was only a four-rounder. He won on points in the light heavyweight division. But definitely Sam Smith, someone to keep an eye on for the future. And that's really it for the review side of things. Unfortunately, there is not too much to review. There's a little bit of news <laughs> a big bit of news, actually, of course. Anthony Joshua on April the 9th will be challenging for the IBF Heavyweight Championship. He'll be facing the champion right now, of course, Charles Martin, someone that we had on just before Christmas. I think he was in the Christmas special alongside Lee Selby and Andrew Selby. Uh, he was on a, he was on one of our shows. So a good guy, Charles Martin. It was very nice talking to him. But he's got a real tough test, and so does Joshua. He has a real tough test. What do you think about this fight? Of course, it's happening in the O2 Arena, the adopted home of Anthony Joshua. But this is a massive, massive step up, of course. We know that Dillian White is arguably his toughest opponent. And now he's getting in there with a guy in Charles Martin, of course, 23-0 and with 21 knockouts. So a guy that can really bang. And of course, he's a southpaw. He's about six foot five, six foot six, So around about the same height as Joshua. But do you reckon he can, he can pose any... Any questions for Joshua? Any challenges for Joshua? I reckon they give him a threat because uh, obviously uh, Charles Martins is a southpaw with a big. He has a big bang on him. Yeah. Obviously, that's going to be a big threat. But I reckon, I reckon Joshua beats him. 
Yeah, I'm not really one to jump the gun too much on Anthony Joshua. I mean, he's 15-0 and 0 right now. He's getting rid of people in devastating fashion. Uh, you know, let's not mince our words there. But, you know, this is a tough This is a tough test. This is someone who's a world champion. Fair enough. He may have not won the title, in, in, you know, the way that he would have wanted to win it. He won it because Glaskov basically buckled his knee and um, picked up a freakish injury during the fight. But nonetheless, the man's a world champion. The man's unbeaten in 23 contests and he's got 21 stoppages. And as I said, he is a southpaw. He's big. He's rangy. He doesn't really fight. I would say he doesn't really fight like a southpaw. Although he's a southpaw, he doesn't really use his southpaw advantages when he faces orthodox fighters. I haven't really seen him in there with another southpaw, but he, you know, he doesn't really, I don't think he uses his tools to the best of his ability. But again, he, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely got his head down. And I know personally that he will be, you know, fully focused for this fight. Of course, it's his first defense of his strap and he doesn't want to lose it. Absolutely not. So it would be a cracking contest, but we won't, you know, we won't really get into that too much because it's quite a way away. We will be talking about that nearer the time. Of course, there's another piece of news in the heavyweight division domestically. Um, what news is that, Ayaz? David Price has linked up with Gavin McDonald, Jamie McDonald's Tony Ballou's trainer, Dave Coldwell. Absolutely. Someone who we had on the show last week. He didn't mention that to us at all. So it's all been kept under wraps. It was announced yesterday by Sky Sports. This will be an interesting link-up for David Price. I mean, personally, I think he's sort of, you know, he's been with a few different trainers now. He had Franny Smith. He then went on to, I'm not sure if I'm getting this in the right order, but he was with Franny Smith. We saw a little bit of work he did on the pads with Adam Booth. That didn't really pan out. Nothing really happened there. He was with Tommy Brooks. You know, that that, that never really lasted too long. And of course, he was also with, for a little while, for a couple of weeks, Lennox Lewis. So he really has been with a few different guys. Now he's with Dave Caldwell. It'll be an interesting link up. You know, Dave Caldwell's no slouch of a trainer. He's a really good trainer. You know, that's why we've had him on the show twice, of course. So, um, you know, David Caldwell's no joke. He's, he's, you know, he's a no-nonsense type of guy. And it'll be interesting what, what this link-up can, can bring him, you know. It'll be, it'll be interesting. He, he seems to have been looking for, a, for the right trainer for a long, long time. And hopefully he's found that in Dave Caldwell. So best of luck to those two. There's also a sad loss to the world of boxing that we have to mention this week as well. Ayers, if you want to bring us the news of the... Of the of the ex world champion that's, that's that's left the earth, of course, just recently, yeah. just today. Yes, former world flyweight boxing champion Walter McGowan has died at the age of seventy three. Yeah, of course, it's always sad to hear that we've lost a an ex world champion, of course, and someone that you know made his mark on the sport. It's always sad to talk about some of the losses of the boxing world, but you know, we've lost another 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 legend of the sport today. So very very sad news. Is there anything else that you've got for us, Ayaz, on the news panel? Yes. The fight between the big worldweight fight between Keith Furman and Sean Porter will be shown live and exclusive on Sky Sports. Excellent. I can't wait for that one. That really is a good contest. I can't wait for that one. I can't wait to do the review and preview in depth on that. I can't wait to do that review and preview show. That should be something special. A really, really, really 50-50 fight in my opinion. Okay, that's really it for the review side of things. That's really it for the news side. Thank you for bringing us the news, Ayaz. We're now going to bring on our very first guest on this week's show. Okay, our first guest on this week's show is the current WBO Intercontinental Featherweight Champion, ranked number seven in the WBO World Rankings. It's Ben Jones. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
<laughs> no problem. First question I do want to ask you, actually. They call you Ben Duracell Jones. Where did Duracell come from? It's a long story, actually. Um, my uh, my mum called me it because I was a hyperactive kid. <laughs> so uh, it's sort of come from, from that, really. And then she's probably told a couple of people within uh, in the boxing my boxing scene, sort of people would come watch me box and it's stuck really. Everyone uh, everyone called, called me that as a throw a lot of punches and uh, I'm a busy fighter. <laughs> That's good because, you know, a lot of people get these names that fans make up. It's good to actually get one from your mum, you know? It's a yeah, good it thing. is, yeah. It's a bit more close to home. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, first and foremost, how is camp going so far? Because, of course, you're out on the 27th of February at York Hall. Just That's a right. routine fight, of course. It is, yeah. That's right. It's, it's um, going very, very well, thanks. Yeah, it's, um, I'm, the awkward thing with it all is I've got a, a big fight coming up in April. And the reason I'm fighting in February is to keep me in the gym, keep me fit, keep the weight down, and make keep everything uh, moving. Obviously, as you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm not spring chicken, so I need to be need to be fighting regularly. And I believe that I perform at my best when I'm uh, fighting regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that I noticed about your about your record, um, yeah. I noticed that you actually have moved down to featherweight where you're at now, whereas before you were at super featherweight. Um, you know, usually we see fighters move up in weight as they get older. How come you moved down, Ben? I actually was a featherweight before. I um, if, you, if you look right down at the beginning of my career, I won the International Masters or something like that, featherweight. Um, and I was always sort of weighing in. They, on the day, um, at just over featherweight, you know, sort of nine three, nine four, you know, that sort of weight which obviously if I was on the day before would have um would have easily have been there. Um it's just uh, just opportunities really. You know, the opportunity come up to a fight for the English title, which was at Super Feather. That's sort of where it all changed really. I said, Yeah, well I'll go for it, um against uh, Cash Batty, that was. Um I went went for it and then sort of got sectioned completely as a as a super feather. So sort of what the opportunities come at, really, more than anything. Um, but knowingly that I could always go down to, to Fever if I needed to or wanted to. Yeah, talking of opportunities at Super Fever, you were the WBO European Super Featherweight champion. Um, That's right. Could you talk to us about, because obviously you won, it was a vacant title, you won that title, You I think you won almost every round of that fight as well, so you won it pretty handily. Yeah. Um, yeah. You failed to defend it. I know that you were in, I think, two more fights on that year, but you, you didn't defend it. Could you explain how come you didn't defend it and how come you, you yeah. lost the title? The reason why I lost the, the, the title is I was, it was, it was in between promoters at the time. Um, I, um, I was, well, first of all, was with Barry Hearn, at Matchroom, and then went over with um, Frank Maloney, and uh, obviously Frank Maloney's troubles and whatever, and he, he stopped stopped promoting sort of all at that sort of time, so I wasn't getting the fight. So I fought for the the WBO um, European, won it on a a, a, um, a local promoter show from Brighton, which which was Assassin, but they were very very new at the time, and. I don't believe uh, a lot of this. A lot of the small promoters can afford to put on these big titles, you see. And um, it was it, time started running out. The WBO, I think, I believe, give you three months to defend the title, all that sort of thing. And 
it got to a time where they ended up stripping me because I didn't have time to fight for it. Um, I fought in Spain just before as well, which uh, was a complete, I shouldn't have ever have done, um, lost, but complete, completely won it. And there was no reason, um, even the Spanish people, the Spanish fans were, were booing and, and uh, whatever, because was, was, I was completely robbed, robbed on the fight, which now he's European champion, he'd be a European champion. So yeah, just, just a little bit of bad luck, really. Yeah, I saw. I did actually see that fight. It's the only fight you've had abroad. Um, it was it was um, a guy that was ten and zero at the That's time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now you're back at um, back at Feather, where you're of course more comfortable. I guess. Will you be staying That's at Feather? Right. I'm staying at Feather. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it comfortably. So um, as long as um, no one gives me a stupid amount of notice, or four or five weeks or something silly like that, then. Um, then I, I can always be there. Also, as well, if I'm if I'm if I'm active all the time, keeps keeps the weight down comfortably anyway, and um, I have no problem with getting there. So I feel big and strong, and uh, believe that's my weight. The featherweight scene here in the UK is exciting at the moment. Of course, you've got the likes of Josh Warrington yep. and at the top of the tree that's Lee right. Selby, your old foe. That's right. Um, yeah. Are you are you looking at cr- crossing paths with either of those, or are you looking at exploring that WBO route that you're firmly in line for anyway? I'd love to cross paths with both of them. To be honest, um, um, I, I actually noticed on Twitter a few, a few times that people have uh, obviously watched the fights on YouTube. Me and Lee Selby. Very, very close fight, and um, and there's been a, there has been a little bit of talk and a little bit of banter back and forward sort of thing. Um, not from myself, just from fans, you know, and Lee Shelby actually, which was which was quite nice. Um, but yeah, that would be fantastic. I mean, that that would be uh, something that I would love. I'm sure um, it'd be great for the fans as well. It was that sort of action-packed uh, fight in the first place, so. Put it over 12 rounds, and I'm sure we'd entertain the crowds. So that would be great for me. Again, obviously, Josh Warrington as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I'd love that. There's a lot of guys, um, not just domestically, but also some top, the top, you know, some other top guys in in your division. Of course, the WBO yeah. champ at the moment, Lomachenko. There's a lot of talk that he will actually. It's almost a done deal, apparently. Bob Aaron's been, Aaron has been saying um, wow. him fighting Nicholas Waters, the Jamaican guy. Um, yeah. How do you see that one going? Do you know much about Waters? I've watched him a few times. He's It'd be an interesting fight in my eyes because he's sort of the opposite to uh, Lomachenko in my, in my eyes. He's a, a very strong, tough punch. Um, Limachenko just seems to have that, that amazing balance and, uh, and and great skill. Sort of the, the amateur background obviously uh, has helped him all the way through. Um, I, I see. I, I think Limachenko is um, a bit special unless he gets caught with one of them big shots that the Waters has got. But uh, uh, to me, um, I'm not. This is probably uh, probably. Against what most people else are saying, but I think Nemchenko will win that fight. My personal opinion. And also, he's he's a lot of the time linked with Lomachenko. Rigondo, who's coming over here to be fighting yeah, um, Jazza right. Dickens. Who do you think yeah, yeah. will would win if that did actually happen? Lomachenko and ja- uh, not Jazza Dickens, Lomachenko and Rigondo. Sure, <laughs> oh, it's a chess match, isn't it? That would be a real chess match because they're two fantastic amateurs. I personally, just for the size, Lomachenko, um, 
because of the size wise, um, Rigadondo isn't a big super bantam, but his skill takes over. Um, I think that um, Lomachenko's got the skill as well, but also the size. It'd be a great fight to watch. Be, be a bit special. Yeah, it would be nice to see. All right, the last question I'm going to ask you now. Um, of course, elsewhere on the same night of your fight in Manchester, the big one yeah. between Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton. How do you see this mm-hmm. one going and who are you picking to win this one, Ben? Well, it's, it's going to be a fantastic fight, especially for all the fans. It's, it's a great fight. Um, I'm quite closely with um, with the Frampton camp, so uh, I've done a lot of sparring over the years with, with Carl. Um so I'm going to have to go that side, go that way. It's, um, to me, watching Cole is he does everything. He does the simple things brilliantly. He's that type of boxer. He doesn't. He isn't flashy. He isn't got that got that way about him. He's just a very very good at all the basics as well. Plus he's a, he can punch. I think it's a Frampton fight to me. No, I really do. Um, but all the best to both of them, you know, but uh, um, I think he's coming back uh, to the uh, Rican camp without a doubt. May the best man win. Right, best um, Ben, best man win. before we let you go, I just want to give you an opportunity to um, to shout anyone out, to thank any sponsors, anything like that, and, um, and give any listeners your Twitter or Instagram name so that they can follow your progress. Yeah, well, me, I've got Twitter and it's at Ben Jones Boxer, so I'd love you to follow me. That'd be fantastic. And um, a big shout out to Wildcrest, which is Alfie Best. Just thanks so much for all your help, as well as Britannia Crest. They've both been a huge, huge uh, support behind me. Um, and there's loads of others, obviously, I'll going through to, but them two have been huge support helping me through my way. Excellent stuff. Okay, Ben, well, I wish you the absolute best of luck for the 27th. Thanks so much. I know, yeah, it's only a six, I know it's only a six-rounder. I know you've got a big one coming up in April, so we'll speak to you again sometime, you know, around that fight anyway. Brilliant stuff. Thanks for your Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, before we move into part two, we've got one more interview to bring you that still remains part of part one. So just before we bring part one to a close, we're going to bring on our last guest of part one, our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, fighting on the Quick Frampton undercard, it's Miles Shinquin. Miles, welcome to the show. Yeah, mate, you okay? Yeah, very good, very good. Firstly, I just want to thank you for giving us a bit of time this close to your fight in between, you know, in between training today. No, it's not the problem at all. Thank you very much. Okay, something I just wanted to point out, of course, you're, you're fighting... Uh, 14-0 prospect as well, Hosea Burton on the undercard here, um, is for the vacant British title at Light Heavy. Um, I was looking at both of you guys' last couple of fights. I noticed that your last two fights, you weighed over the 175 limit, and his last five fights, he weighed over the 175 limit. Will you be staying at 175 in the future, or will you be looking to move up? No, I'll do the weight quite costly, if I'm honest. Um, this is no, when you're weighing on a day, or you you know, when there's no title on the line, there's no real need to do 175. Um, what was my last fight? 180, 179. Just, you know, it's, uh, I never go really about 13 stone. Um, 
if I can keep a bit of weight on for a fight and it'll work really good but for a title fight like I said once you have quite comfortable for me so no plans are moving up okay cool now you're coming off of three straight knockouts um, another thing I looked at on Jose's record is that he's only actually of his 14 fights he's only actually fought three guys who who had more wins on their record than losses do you feel that this is you know his toughest testing yourself uh, thus far in his career. Yeah, without a doubt, I think he'll admit that himself. Um, hit on, without a doubt, on his hardest fight. You know, uh, <laughs> on his first loss, so <laughs> definitely his hardest fight. Is he the hardest fight of your career so far as well? Yeah, but yeah, also without a doubt. Yeah, it's, uh, we both get into, we both got to this stage. Whether I'd say it's too quickly or too early in careers, I don't know. Um, He's going to be past eight rounds. I've done ten rounds once. Uh, I think in an ideal world, you'd rather do three or four ten rounders and then go for it. But we're, we're both here. We're both undefeated. We've both had a 12 and 14 fights. So let's go. Let's get it on see who the best man is. And of course, he's got that four-inch height advantage of yourself. Is this something? Um, is this something that, that that could play a part here, or you got you're not worrying about that whatsoever? No, it's no concern to me. I'd rather punch up and I'd rather punch up than punch down. Personally, I don't know what his preference is. Um, he's got to try and hit me first, isn't he? So that's his, uh, that will be his main concern. Try and hit me, especially clean. But uh, no height is no issue to me at all. I'm quite a small lot anyway, so generally, could I fight uh, bigger than me? I'd say, but um, yeah, no problem at all. Okay, and I just wanted to touch on, of course. There's there's been a bit of progress made here. We we don't often see fights made between Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren, and of course this one is one of them. Is there any worries on your part of fighting on on this on Eddie Hearn's show? Of course that this is also in um, Hosea's backyard, so to speak. Um, no, I, I have no worries about that. I've I have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I've got I. I have faith in the British Boxing Board. I have faith in their judges. If it goes to the judges, um, then I expect to get a fair decision. Um, likewise, if he comes down to London, I'm expecting the exact same for him as well. Um, yeah, like you said about Frank and Eddie going together, it's going to be good for boxing. I don't think I don't think Frank's ever been against against working with Eddie, uh, as far as I'm aware. Obviously, got the skeet fight happening as well, um, and vice versa. Maybe, but the fights have got to make sense to happen. You know, if if, a fight, if you can make money elsewhere, better money elsewhere, then sometimes these fights don't need to happen. But I'm, once I've got a, a whisper this fight was offering, on the offering, sorry, I, I, I begged for the fight to happen. Uh, and Frank was all for it. He said, go and win that belt, bring it back to us. And that's what I tend to do. Of course, you're in quite a hot division at Light Heavy. There's a lot going on domestically and in on the world scene, of course. Um, there's a bit of a fantasy fight when it comes down to the world level of Light Heavy. A lot of people are talking about the potential fight between Adonis Stevenson and Sergei Kovalev. If those guys were, were ever to actually get in the ring together, who do you see winning that one and why? Uh, Kovalev, quite easily. Um, I think he's just... A lot better in every department. I think Stevenson's obviously got that big equaliser in his left hand. Um, but other than that, I don't think he does anything better than Kovalev. Uh, I think, from a boxing point of view, if you watch the Hopkins v Kovalev fight, Kovalev was very, 
very controlled, very reserved, rather than the, 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 the before where we were just waging the sit stuck in. I think fighting Hopkins could bring a fighter on ten times if they can get the win out of it. Maybe maybe even losing. Much like when Canelo fought Mayweather. I think the next time we saw uh, Canelo against Cotto, he was a lot better for it. And I think that Cobbler fighting Hopkins is now a lot better for it. Yeah, that's so I think I think Cobbler's quite easy. Okay, I have to agree with that, to be totally honest with you. I also want to get your prediction for the main event. Of course, you're fighting on the undercard of the massive, massive, massive clash in the super bantamweight division between uh, Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton. How do you see that one going? If if I was a betting man, I yeah. would have to say Frampton. I, I was lucky enough to see Frampton spar a few weeks back. Um, he looked good. <laughs> he looked good. Um, take enough away from Quigg. He's obviously very good world champion. I just think that, like to do about Kovalev, I think that Frampton does everything a little bit better than Quigg. Uh, but then that isn't always how the fights play out. If, if, if Frampton wants to have a tear up with, with Quigg, then I think that could be a different story. I don't know. I, I, if I was a better man, I'd say Frampton. So as soon as your fight's end, as soon as your fight ends, is it safe to say you want to jump straight in the shower and straight away take your ringside seat? <laughs> I might just sit with me shorts and my belt on watching your ringside. <laughs> 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 okay, the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go now, your prediction for your fight with Josea Burton. How, what's going to happen on the night, Miles? Talk to us. Um, you know, I, every, not every interview I get, I, I often get prodded and, and, and poked to try and to find slag someone, to try and say something bad, try and get predictions and stuff like that. That's, I'm not that kind of fighter. I'm not going to put anyone down. Anyone who gets the ring deserves respect. Um, I'll never say... I'm going to knock him out. Um, whatever he has, I'll have an answer for. Whatever tactics he has to bring, I'll have an answer for. So, you know, if he, if he wants to come to have a fight with me, then all well and good. If he wants to try and use his length and try and box me, then good luck to him. But, yeah, whatever way, he'll end up in the lost room, unfortunately. Excellent. That's perfect stuff. All right. Well, as I say, Miles, thank you very much for making a bit of time for us before your fight. We wish you all the best on the night and we'll speak to you in the future. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two of the review and preview show. Of course, this part is the preview part where we preview the upcoming fights this weekend. Again, there is not really much to talk about, but we're going to start in Los Angeles. There's a card over there that includes... Diego De La Hoya, of course, that's the first cousin of Oscar De La Hoya. He's 13-0 right now. Of course, he's signed by Golden Boy. It would be strange if he was signed by anyone else. He's only out in an eight-rounder. He's a super bantamweight for those that don't know. As I said, 13-0. He looks to move to 14-0. He faces a guy called Arturo Badillo. Arturo Badillo, 21 wins and nine losses. It's an eight-rounder in the super bantamweight division. Then there's the big world title fight in Germany, the rematch. It's Fedor Chudinov against Felix Sturm. Now, Fedor Chudinov, it's very interesting because we've actually had Dmitry Chudinov in the review part of the show and his brother Fedor Chudinov in the preview part of the show. Fedor Chudinov is the better brother, in my honest opinion. He has a record of 13 wins, sorry, 14 wins and 10 knockouts, no losses at all. And he faces Felix Sturm in a rematch. Felix Sturm's last fight was against Fedor Chudinov. He lost. This was in 
May of 2015, Fedor Chudinov got the nod after 12 rounds on a split decision. That was for the vacant WBA World Super Middleweight title, which, of course, Fedor Chudinov now holds. Fedor Chudinov has had a fight since that fight where he beat our very own Frank Bullioni. A piece of news that we forgot in part one, of course, Frank Bullioni and Frank Warren have failed to reach a further agreement and an extension of the contract, the promotional contract. So Frank Bullioni is now a free agent and he has no promoter currently. This should be, you know, a good contest. I, I do, in my honest opinion, think that Felix Sturm's best days are behind him now. He hasn't got a win for his last three fights. The last time he won was against Darren Barker, our very own Darren Barker, for the IBF World Middleweight title. That was back in December of 2013. Since then, he lost to Sam Solomon. Of course, that was in 2014. And he got a draw with Robert Stieglitz, a split draw in, in late 2014. Only the one fight last year, which he lost on a split decision to Fedor Chudinov. But again, you can't write off Felix Sturm. He's, he's a very, very, very classy and clever boxer. And of course, even though he's lost five fights, he's only been stopped on one occasion. He's got the three draws and the 39 big wins. So it's going to be a tough fight. It's definitely not one that you can, you know, that you can take easy. So Fedor Chudinov, of course, he'll be looking to move to 15 and 0. And that's going to be, that's really the fight of the weekend, to be totally honest with you. There's a fight on the undercard that I should mention. Francesco Pianetta, he gets out again. He faces Hassan Olaki. Now, Pianetta, 31 wins, two losses and one draw. Hassan Olaki, six wins, two losses. It's only a six-rounder. Of course, this is in the heavyweight division. If you don't know Francesco Pianetta, he was unbeaten. He's actually a cancer survivor. He faced Vladimir Klitschko and Vladimir Klitschko, uh, you know, beat him and knocked him out. That was for Vladimir's world titles. And his last fight out, Francesco Pianetta, his last fight was against Ruslan Shagaev, which he got stopped in that fight as well. So his only two losses, Pianeta, are to top opposition, of course, Vladimir Klitschko and Ruslan Shagaev, two world champions, may I add as well. So this is just basically a fight getting him back on the scene. Of course, he last fought in July of 2015, and it was a first round KO by Ruslan Shagaev. So this is, you know, just a warm-up fight to get back in the in the world title picture, I guess. Moving over now to USA, Jesse Magdaleno. He's at the moment 22 and 0. He looks to extend that to 23 and 0. It's a 10 rounder in the super bantamweight division. He faces Ray Perez. Ray Perez 20 wins and seven losses. And to be totally honest with you, that really is all for the preview part of things. So that's all we've got to preview, unfortunately. Again, not really our fault that there aren't many fights to talk about. Both weekends, both sides of this week seem to not really have any interest in fights coming up or any big fights coming up. But, you know, next week, things really will be hotting up. Of course, we'll be previewing Quig Frampton and all the other wonderful fights on that bill and elsewhere in the world, actually. There's a lot going on next week. So now it's time to welcome our third and final guest on this week's show. He's also fighting on the 27th of February. This time it's not going to be in the UK. It's in America. We welcome you. Promoted by Bob Arum's top-ranked promotional stable in the United States of America, Mr. Mike. Yes, indeed, Reed. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Now, this is going to be, of course, your 18th contest. I want to get into that in a, in a moment, I just wanted to touch on your amateur career. I noticed that you've had 103 fights as an amateur, winning 90 of those. 
which is a, which is a fantastic amateur career. Who did you who who did you fight when you were an amateur? Is there anyone that we would know about who's making big noise in the pro ranks at all? Um, I saw Jamel Herring, who was a eventual Olympian. Uh, I think Jamel is fifteen and zero now. I saw Robert Easter Jr. Um, I think Robert's probably the same fifteen and zero. Um, pretty much, those are the guys that I can think of off the top of my head uh, right now. You know, I fought all the top top prospects. Uh, was all the top guys at one forty one in the amateurs. Yeah, because we actually had Jamel Herring on last week, and we did touch on that. I noticed. I, I, I did bring that up, and he said um, about that fight. Um, since you've turned over, since you've turned professional, what sort of names have you been sparring with? I've been sparring with all the names actually. I fought Adrian Browner, Lamont Peterson, Anthony Peterson, uh, Gary Russell. Those names, just like the one Hank Lundy. I've actually sparred Hank. Um, those are the couple of names that I can just remember off the top of my head that I've sparred. Wow. So a real, a real, you know, a real crop of names there. Some serious talent. Of, of course, you're now 17 and 0, 10 knockouts. You're a southpaw. Um, you're promotionally with top rank. How's that going for you so far? You know, I love it. I love. It. I can ask for anything um, more than what they're um, doing for me right now. You know, being 17 and 0, it's about time that I start getting mixed with the top guys as a contender. But other than that, you know, top rank doing a beautiful job of moving me. And it's been well documented that you're being trained by your father, as a lot of top fighters, past and present, have been. How much easier or difficult is it being trained by your own father rather than someone else? You know, I can't say whether it's easier or difficult because that's all I've ever known. You know, some people say, well, father and son relationships in boxing don't work. But like I said, that's all I've ever known. So. To me, that's normal. You know, to me, when he tells me run eight miles at six o'clock in the morning, that's normal because that's what he's always been. You know, he's always been consistent. And I believe that his ability to learn and him not being so headstrong, you know, he he definitely, he got into the boxing game the same way I got into it. And we, we both, we're learning on the way. You know, he'll see something and he'll tell me, and then I'll see something and I'll tell him. So, like I said, we're learning on a way, and I think that makes us a lot closer, you know, being an average father and son um, combination. Okay. But it's, it's safe to say he doesn't really, um, doesn't cut any corners and he makes you work as hard as, as, as anyone else would, right? He makes me work even harder, you know, because he, he is my dad. <laughs> he is my dad, so he, he don't want to see me lose. You know, he don't want to see me lose. As a trainer and as a father, he don't want to see his son get hurt. So he's going to push me to my max, you know, my maximum ability. He's going to push it. He's going to bring it out of me. You know, he 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 knows how to motivate me in ways that nobody else in this earth knows. I'm sure. I'm sure he does know because obviously when you were a kid coming up, uh, if if it was someone that you just linked up with, a new trainer, someone that didn't know you that, you know, for that, that, that length of time, you could say, Oh, that's that's all I've got. But your dad actually knows all you've got. He knows <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your you know. Okay, now let's talk about the reason that you're here. Um, you're fighting on the 27th for this month, of course, as, as we said on the undercard of Terence Crawford and Hank Lundy. You're fighting a guy called um, Marco Antonio Lopez. Now we know that anyone who's called Marco Antonio can fight. How excited? <laughs> how excited are you for this fight? 
I'm very excited. You know, it'll be my second time fighting at Madison Square Garden. We have a lot of people coming out, and I just want to continue to build on my 2015, which I went 5-0 with four knockouts. Um, I had a lot of momentum in 2015. Like I said, I just want to continue to build on it and do everything that I can to continue my name being mentioned with um, the top prospects in the game. Okay, so the guy you're facing has a record of 24 wins and eight losses. At one point, he was actually 18-0 and 0 before he took his first loss, which is interesting because you're going to become 18-0, and 0, providing you beat him. Do you watch any tapes on your opponents? Have you seen this have, guy fight? I've, I've watched a couple of tapes. I've watched him actually um, live when he fought Clarence Booth, um, I think, his last fight. And, you know, Clarence won a fight, but it was it was a good fight. It was a good competitive fight. We noticed that he actually likes to pace himself, you know, not throw a lot of punches, but throw a lot of effective punches. And when you start fast, like Felix Bejo, he started fast. And that's how he was able to get the knockout because um, he didn't let Marco Antonio basically pace himself in the fight. You know, he took him out of his comfort zone, and that's exactly what we want to do in this fight. Is it safe to say that this is your... Is it fair to say that this is your toughest test to date? I believe so. You know, I, I believe so. I believe each fight we're going to be saying that until I get at the top level because, like I mentioned on the top rank, you know, top rank does a beautiful job at moving their prospects. And I should be able to say every fight has gotten tougher, has gotten tougher. That's an excellent thing, you know, as, as we were saying, moving up, fight by fight that's that's a great thing that's what of course the fans want to see that's what you that's what you need for key progression um of course you're now campaigning you're campaigning at 140 who is the man right now in the 140 division on the world stage um, i was gonna ask you broner or crawford <laughs> you, you pick you pick crawford over crawford. Broner? i do and i think Charles crawford's my favorite fighter so i'm i'm picking Charles crawford over everyone i think Adrian Broner is a close second. I, I do think so because Adrian, Adrian has that gift of gab. You know, he, he, he's able to sell fights with just his mouth. You know, he's, he's very entertaining. Whether you want to see him win or you want to see him lose, you know, you'll, you'll turn on the fight when Adrian Broner fights. With Terrence Crawford, I think Terrence, is, his ability to be a boxer, to be a puncher, to sit there and bang, sets him apart from everybody at 140, you know. He, and then him being, him being so so big, he's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, I believe, and he just now moved up to 140, so you would assume that he has at least five or six fights at 140. And, you know, I think he'll – I think Terrence is definitely around around stay. So you're putting Crawford at number one, Broner at number two. Of course, we saw Danny Garcia just move up to 147. If he was still at 140, would he be number three or would he be able to get in between those two? Uh, I'm not a big Danny. I'm not not a big Danny fan. So, I'm pretty sure I will be able to find someone else to be a, a close number three. Because I think the thing with Danny, when you watch Danny, he is an extremely strong. You know he you know he has he has knockout power, but he is an extremely strong. He is an extremely fast. He what he does, he has very good timing. You know he he's able to fill in the gaps and kind of find his opponent's weakness with Amir Khan. If anybody remembers that fight, Amir Khan was winning a fight hands down before he got knocked out. There's no other way in boxing, no better way in boxing to win a fight other than knock a guy out. And Danny did knock a guy out. And then he beat Matisse handily as well. But I thought he, I thought Danny Garcia lost to Mauricio Herrera. And then I also thought that Danny Garcia lost to Lamont Peterson. 
Do you know what? I agree with both of those. I've said that many times on this show. I think that he got beat by Lamont, and I think he got beat by by um, by Mauricio Herrera. We actually had Mauricio Herrera on the show, one of our first shows, and he was talking about that. But he sort of took mm. it with... He took it all humbly. He didn't really want to complain too much about it. But yeah, Danny Garcia, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan either. Um, without looking past your, you know, your next fight, is there anyone that you've got your eye on currently? I don't think there's really one guy in particular that I have my eye on. Well, I, I can say um, Clarence Booth and Alex Salcedo, they just fought. Those, those are two, two guys that top rank signed at 140. And they just fought each other. Um, Alex won. And I can see myself fighting Alex, you know, somewhere down the line. But right now I'm just focused on my, um, Marco Antonio Lopez. Once I get, you know, get him out the way, I'll look at bigger names and, you know, start to find out who my next opponent is. Okay. I was going to ask you which boxer do you enjoy watching the most, but I think it's probably Crawford. <laughs> yeah. It, honestly, it's probably between... Terrence Crawford and Adrian Broner. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big Adrian fan as well. And I'm an Adrian fan because I watched the process. You know, I watched them be 17, 18, you know, 20-0. Not a lot of people know him, but I watched his work in the gym, you know. watched his work in the gym. He he always said, I'm going to be world champion. Now, I, I enjoy watching Terrence because he puts everything together. You know, he can box you. He can bang with you. And... With Adrian, Adrian can do the same thing. And then Adrian is very entertaining with, you know, his knockouts, with his dance moves. You know, he's very entertaining. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like, I personally, I like the power punchers. I like the Kovalevs of this world and the Golovkins. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I enjoy Kovalev because there's a lot behind his power as well. You know, you look at even with Triple G, um, a lot of people think they're just power punchers, which they're naturally power punchers, but they also know how to set up off the jab, and they're very skilled power punchers as well. I want to ask you, I've got two two questions that I want to ask, just that I have to ask because I'm from the UK. Um, who is your favorite fighter from the UK of all time? This is a question I ask to everybody we speak to from other countries. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think I like Kill Brook. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think Kell Brook will be around for a long time as well. Um, I think I think with me being young into boxing, I think Kell Brook because he's in kind of like my era. I watch a lot of him. Okay, yeah, that's a fair point. He's a good fighter. Um, of course, we never really we've we sort of we're not seeing that big fight that, that everybody wants over here between Kell Brook and Amir Khan. He's decided to go and fight Canelo, <laughs> which which is a strange move. But um and the yeah. last thing I wanted to ask you, is there any sort of message for any of your fans over here? Because there's a lot of guys over here, believe it or not, that are waving the yes indeed read flag. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, thanks for the support, you know, even if I'm not, I don't have direct contact to you all. I, I want to say thank you, you know. I plan on being around for a long time, plan on being a superstar in the sport, and maybe, you know, one day I can fight over there so you all can see me live in person. Excellent stuff. Okay, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I wish you the absolute best of luck for the 27th of this month, and I hope that you go on to some other bigger and better things in the near future as well. Yes, indeed. Thanks for having me.
My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Okay, you too. Okay, now it's time to draw episode 20 to a close. We've actually lived up to a promise. We've actually kept a promise to you, loyal listeners. We did say that because there really wasn't much to review or preview for the last three shows, we decided that rather than bringing you one or two guests on every show, we would bring you three guests on every show. So for the last three weeks, we've given you three guests per show. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for the support. And we'll continue to bring you big shows. There will be a massive interview coming out very, very soon. There's an interview that we've got planned with one of boxing's absolute biggest legends of the sport, one of the best fighters to ever put on a pair of gloves, which will be out exclusively coming up in the next couple of weeks. We'll keep you posted on the podcast. So thank you very much to our three guests that took part in this show, of course, Mike Reed, Miles Shinkwin and Ben Jones. Thank you very much to Ayaz, who brought you the fantastic juicy news on this week. And thank you very much to Ayaz, of course, for reviewing and previewing the show and for being here on every single show out of 20. Once again, please keep retweeting. Please keep favoriting and liking and spreading the word. We'll be back next week with another big show. Take care.